When I teach catechism, I like to ask the young people, what makes Christianity different from all the other world religions? And I ask them this because Jesus, he didn't start a religion. He started a way of life. He wanted to form a people according to his love for his father. Certain other religions, they put an emphasis on obeying commandments and laws. God is all-powerful. He is the sovereign. We are the creatures. We obey. So in our religion, Christianity, I use the word religion, but in our way of life as Christians, we do have laws, but the laws are based on love. So that means if I have a relationship with God, and he's my, my most intimate friend, the one who's closest to me, I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to offend the relationship and the friendship that I have with God. So last year when I was teaching catechism on Tuesday nights, we had around 25 boys in the one class. It's because it's the one evening out of the week they don't have hockey practice. And so I said to these young guys, hey guys, what's at the heart of Christianity? What's at, at the center, the core? And this little guy says, love. I'm like, brilliant, that's right. But we use this word often, love. And sometimes we have a certain experience of it, but it's hard to encapsulate. So I was 14 years old, driving down the street with my dad, and I asked my dad, Dad, how do you know when you fall in love with somebody? And he said, when the other person means more to you than yourself. Now, I was embarrassed to ask my dad that question because my dad was not really a sentimental guy. He was very pragmatic, a bit rough around the edges. But it's one thing that struck me because it was wise, it was simple, it encapsulated everything. So when, in the gospel, when this person asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Can you imagine that in the Jewish faith, there's over 600 laws? That's, that's a lot of laws. That's a lot of rules. And so he said, well, which is the most important? Jesus doesn't answer directly. He starts praying. He prays this very ancient prayer. Hear, O Lord, or pardon me, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And then he continues, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So Matthew just gives us the little second part of the prayer. So Jesus wants to show us following laws is not just based on rules, right or wrong in terms of do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. It's about understanding that God loves us first. And we respond in kind. We respond in love. And if God loves us with his entire being, don't we want to love God in return with what we are and who we are and everything we have? And that's why Jesus says, with your whole heart, well, I got a lot of stuff in my heart. Give that to God. I've got a lot of stuff in my soul and in my mind. Give that all to God. He's interested. He's caring. He wants to nurture it. He wants to make it grow. And then Jesus says something very profound. He says, and the second follows. Love your neighbor as yourself. But yourself means you're already in relationship with God. 
You cannot properly love your neighbor unless you're not loving God first. And why is that? Because if you love your neighbor according to yourself, yourself is a point of reference. That's not what God wants. He wants you and him to be the point of reference. So already, there's a, a mutual dynamic, a communication going on. And from that, it opens up to the entire world. You will love properly other people. <clears throat> I'm going to see if I can use it this week. Okay, so in the United States, <clears throat> the fourth most popular religion is American football. So this is the last Super Bowl that happened in February 2023. The score is 35 to 35. If you don't understand football, don't worry. You can just fall asleep, take a little nap. It's a bit tedious sometimes. And so it's 11 seconds to go, and they call in the field goal kicker. And so he kicks the ball, and he wins the Super Bowl for his team. His name is Harrison Butker. So he's the kicker, and his name is Butker. You can imagine what his nickname is. You'll actually see it a bit later, but anyways. So when he was interviewed after winning the Super Bowl, he said this, I kind of had the easy job. Offensive line did a great job blocking, great snap, great hold, and thankfully the ball went through. Thankfully, the ball went through. And then he says, and all glory to God. He didn't say, yeah, I'm amazing, I'm great, I want it all. He said, I had help. There was many things that came together in order for me to succeed. All glory to God. When he was in front of a bunch of young people, he told them, no matter how much you attain, none of it will matter if you are alone and devoid of purpose. So let's consider purpose right now, just for a moment. We've already seen that our life is meant to be a relationship with God, and that if we are in relationship with God, it includes other people. If we can make this our priority, everything else falls into place in its proper proportion. Harrison continues, my confidence as a husband and father, and yes, even as a football player, is rooted in my marriage with my wife. And we leave our mark on future generations by the children we bring into the world. He didn't say money. He didn't say winning more Super Bowl rings. He didn't say uh, getting endorsements being put into the Hall of Fame. He said, my confidence and even my football career is based on his marriage with his wife and his desire to raise his kids and to make a difference for the future generations. So this amazing athlete, I'd say he has his priorities in the right place. So he is Catholic, just to let you know. And he was asked about his Catholic faith in the locker room. All right, so how many of you like to talk about your Catholic faith 
in your own workplace. I do, but I work in the parish. <laughs> he says this, we can't be ashamed of our Catholic faith because if we are Catholic, we know of all the fruits that our Lord has given to us. And if we hoard those fruits and we don't open up those fruits to those that are around us, especially in the workplace where God wants us to evangelize, then I think we're doing a disservice to our Lord. And we're not being charitable with our time in sharing the gospel with those around us. So that's Harrison and his wife at their wedding. And on the side in the, uh, I think you call it the handle, whatever his name is. I don't know if this is Facebook or Twitter or whatever, but uh, it has his nickname. So if you can read the fine print, you'll see his nickname. Okay, so he says the workplace offers an opportunity, a time in which he can share his faith and make fruit. This is pretty amazing. All of us possess time, talent, and treasure. This gentleman, he manifests his talent in his athleticism. You manifest your talent in many different ways. I'd just like to take a moment to thank our two musicians, two musicians that are able to animate the entire liturgy, and already it's beautiful. Guys, you're doing an amazing job. Now, they're doing that because they got talent and they're willing to share it. Talent kept to oneself doesn't bear fruit. All of us are profoundly touched that these two men are willing to share their voices and their music in order that we might pray better. Yeah, we could pray without music. We wouldn't be necessarily praying better. So time, that's one of the most important things we have in this life. Especially as we get older, we realize how much more precious it is, huh? And then, of course, treasure. St. Paul will quote our Lord Jesus. He says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Why is that? Well, firstly, we resemble God. God gives everything to us. So when I learn to give, I reflect him. And the more I give, the more my heart expands. And why is that? Because when I give a gift or I give somebody something, I'm adding value to that person in me. Okay, I'll say that again because it's a bit hard to understand. When I give somebody something, I am adding value to the person in me. My love for this person increases. And that's why the gift I give is not based on the material value of whatever it might be. It is based on the fact that I am giving and my love increases and therefore it is a more precious gift. And that's why we become more happy when we learn to give more. It is a more blessed thing to give than to receive. So today is the second homily in a series on giving. All of us have time, we have talent, and we have treasure. In a few weeks leading up to Christmas, St. Ignatius, the parish, will be announcing opportunities to volunteer. 
in, and in, in new programs, in current ones and in new ones. I myself will be organizing a choir for one of the Christmas masses. So when the announcements come out, this is an opportunity for all of you to consider how you can put your time and your talent into one of these volunteering opportunities. The goal is not to succeed. The goal is to give. Now what can we do with our material treasure? You've seen these images where we have three jars where we fill them up with a jar for spending, a jar for saving, a jar for giving. But let's face it, they're not always equally filled up. We put more into the spending jar, a little less into the saving jar, and even less into the giving jar. But that's reality. We know our own personal situation. We know our circumstances. Costs of living are higher. It's not easy. I know it. So if the amounts are in this proportion, why is our minds in this proportion also? And this is a preoccupation for me because we spend too much time thinking about our bills and spending and what we're going to buy. Let's flip it around. Let's put giving as the first thing we want to think about and spend more time thinking about because it will make a bigger difference in our lives, especially on the inside. And then saving and then spending. Yes, the amounts will always be, probably according to our own circumstances, the least in which we give, but nevertheless, we're going to spend more mental energy and more heart into giving and less mental energy and less heart into spending. In the second reading, Paul says, you receive the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all believers. Jesus was always thinking about giving because he wanted to love more. What would have happened if Jesus stopped thinking about giving in his life? I can't imagine what life would be like. When we focus on loving, let us think about God and our neighbor. Let's do all for his glory, especially by increasing the generosity of our hearts in time, in talent, and treasure. Let us also be an example to all believers.